Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Hi, this is Tony Hackett, bringing you the Startups Roundtable podcast, where we gain insights and guidance from the hard-earned lessons of those in and around startup communities. Today's guest is Dr. Irene Kalubi, who is founder and managing director of Brandpreneurs and Brandfluencers, where she supports pioneers, visionaries, and changemakers in the three subject areas of community building, corporate influencer strategy, and connecting Gen XYZ. Irene's experiences and passion for growth is a perfect formula to get us started into 2021. So let's meet Irene. Hello, everyone. Nice to be here. Thanks for the invitation, Tony. My name is Irene Kilubi. I'm from Germany, Munich, and I'm a business engineer with my background. However, I worked as a supply chain manager, procurement manager at BMW. Then I moved to Siemens, worked there as a management consultant in the corporate technology and corporate development um, space. And then I moved to Deloitte and worked there as a manager strategy and operations. And I led digital transformation project. And for one and a half years now, I'm a freelancer working on many different exciting topics, everything covering digital marketing and entrepreneurship. My clients are accelerators, startups, corporates, universities, where I'm also giving lectures and I'm running several events and have built several communities around. And I'm very much um, into the startup scene, in particular in, in Germany, where I advise and coach startups for accelerators. Um, for example, I work for the European Innovation Council Accelerator, where I had the chance and opportunity to work with some amazing founders. That sounds like a great basis to start it from a digital transformation. So being able to look enterprise wide, how did you find that transition? I know you've just said that you work with small and large, but to go from working with very large organizations to come down to helping smaller organizations, even down to at a personal level to help with that personal branding. Well, I, th- I think it all started when I had another activity assigned beside my, my core, core area at BMW. I was responsible for the university relationships with BMW for research and development. And so I started working with universities and there were some spin-offs that turned into startups. And then, yes, I started giving workshops and giving lectures. And um, then you got to know the scene and people started inviting me for further workshops, webinars, and then bit by bit tell us your story. And then I started giving speaking gigs and Yeah, and nowadays I'm also hosting, moderating several events, which is pretty much fun because some people said like, okay, we like the way you're you're speaking and you're entertaining and fun. Don't you want to run us through the event? It would be amazing. So it all started rolling bit by bit and then um, came a certain point where I felt so overwhelmed. I said like, okay, wow, it's pretty much fun, but I have to decide because you can't do both at the same time. Being full-time employed and then doing so many different activities. How do you help people think through the intent to do that, to actually grow their personal brand, but to actually take that step and to get the confidence to bring their true self to the public? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, that's a good thing. So it's kind of a process. I work with a framework and it's not 
the way that you tell people immediately like, okay, you have to be visible, you know? They need to grab through a process of understanding their own skills and competencies. I call it the so-called soul analysis that they have to grab through. So the acronyms stand for S-O-U-L. So uh, S for your strength. And then you have, oh, like your, what, what are your offerings? What is the value add you can bring to people out there? What is your uniqueness and what is your passion? In fact, like I always tell them, bring your passion and your strength together because most of the time people are only so concerned with working, doing something where they can show their strength or only concerned with their passion. And I say like, that's the wrong, wrong approach. Both have to be um, aligned so that you can excel. Otherwise, you will remain mediocre. So it's always about starting point, like about you and yourself. And bit by bit, people start to recognize that, in fact, I have so much to offer. It would be such a pity if no one knows what I have to offer. Because at the end of the day, it's not about myself. It's about the value add I bring to other people. And if, if they don't know me, if they are not aware about what I have to offer and that I might be probably helping them out because people are always complaining like there's so many so-called experts out there, but they say like, I could do it better. And I said, yes, then do it because you're leaving the room for those who aren't capable of doing it. So go out there. You know, it's a slow, slow process that they even feel like, okay, I have to be visible now. Not so fast, but I got you now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I, I find a challenge and I really have to focus on is to sustain and to start to get excited, to bring passion to the table, but then to actually sustain that, whether that's day in, day out or week in, week out. Is that something that you have to work with teams and people that you, you engage with as well to help them build that plan and the motivation to stay engaged? Yes, I always say like building a personal brand is a marathon, not a sprint. So it's something that you have to integrate into your daily activities, daily routines. Just like you say, like, I need to do my sales activities. You need to work on your, on your personal brand consistently. And I always say, like, I rather like to build my personal brand than to do cold calls. Because when you have a personal brand, people will be running after you rather than you chasing after them. So it's always a matter of priorities that are set here. Like, if I really see the, the value, if I manage it properly, I can handle it, even though I don't have a fixed schedule to say every day, two hours spending on personal brand, but it's somehow in there. Like no matter what I do every day, like something also towards my personal brand, even though I write a little comment, it's something that I'm working on my personal brand, so to say, like you're looking at other people or seeing like, okay, what are the trends in my industry? Like also like do some personal development to educate yourself and then when you have the new information, the new trends, you, you might be sharing it with your community as well. So it's also personal branding. You know, it's not like sitting down there on your table, like writing down a strategy or writing down every day your brand message, but it's like all the activities that you do content wise, for example. Have you had different experiences across different demographic bands that you've worked with? For example, age differences or people from different regions. That's exactly where I was going. So to think about whether it was the different generations, and then I was going to ask you about the different geographies. 
In terms of geographies, I would say Europe lags behind as opposed to, I would say, America, for example, in particular German-speaking countries, because it's now slowly, slowly um, getting more of a relevance for many people. But if compared to two years ago, right, they're all fascinated. They're all somehow intrigued by the fact of building a personal brand, but they feel like, okay, um, I don't want to present myself I don't want to put myself out there like it's like bragging or showing off and stuff like that and the thing is which is pretty common for, for for Americans for example to be also a bit personal and for example German people tend to talk more about facts and figures and everything should be perfect and well organized and structured or before I post I have to think about it and so on ask someone else etc what is still lag lagging is a bit of courage to get a bit personal or sometimes also to be a bit crazy or to be funny, even to be funny. <laughs> but it's another story, but because some people have some difficulties in um, being funny. But I, I, I have very good example from my network, for example, the insurance industry. And they always say, oh, in my industry, it's not possible to be entertaining or to be more interesting. But he managed it with his small bits of videos to entertain people in a topic that is pretty dry and conservative. So that's um, the difference I see. We have more edutainers in, in the US than we have in Germany. It's more like about writing about trends and facts and figures. Do you think it's part of that progression or that, that increasing confidence that somebody is prepared to bring not just their, their true self to the public, but then to start to actually expose their personality? Is there a continuum there that you're able to help people along? Do you think it's important that people start to express their personality? Definitely, because people buy from people and they want to understand what is what is the personality behind this offering? What are the values? What does this person stand for? Because then I can better relate to that person. So if someone is just there and talking about his product and I don't know that person, but in particular for services in the professional business industry is more than important. That's in fact the way you differentiate yourself from others because you might be offering the same services, but personality and your values. Because if I can relate to your values and the way of working, your mindset, I would approach you. And the more I feel that I know you, the more I can trust you. And the more I feel like, okay, if I work with that person, I can really rely on her. And I have the confidence that she might potentially solve my challenges or problems. That's a really interesting point about bringing a giving a perspective on your values as well in that that branding and that only happens with that sustained engagement as well it can't just be a once as a spike and then it vanishes forever that's a, a really interesting message could I ask you are in for you working with people I, I get a sense immediately of of how you engage where do you go to get your learnings and to start to look for trends to take you through to your next year and two year for your planning in particular, it's so easy. I do it across the social media channels where I'm already active because I feel like it's not only about you throwing out your content there every day. It's also engaging with other thought leaders, industry experts out there, also commenting and discussing on their uh, postings. So this also really, really helps me. Then you connect with them, you exchange and so on. 
And of course, I also have like my newsletters that I'm subscribed to where I get my, my information, in particular the major European startup newsletters I'm subscribed to. And of course, on LinkedIn or Xing, it's the German equivalent of LinkedIn. You can, for example, also subscribe to the newsletters, industry specific. They create all the important daily trends and information from many different sources, which are also relevant to your industry. And so, Many small things, for example, on, on Twitter, you can see the top trending hashtags for your industry and so on. And of course, I rely on book recommendations from others. You know, it's always like when I engage on social media or talk to people in person, which I did more in the past than nowadays, of course. But that um, really, really helps me to further develop my, my offerings, to further develop myself as a person. That's an interesting point around the newsletters. That is an area that I'm paying a lot more attention to, and it's it's taking off. LinkedIn has brought their version of that to the table as well. And is it something that you encourage the people you work with to start to build as a, a way of, once again, sharing their perspective and their values with their audience? Definitely. Most frequently, they ask me, like, can I build my personal brand without creating content? And I, I always laugh and say, no, because that's the way of communicating with your audience. Your content can take so many different forms because now we are also producing content totally, but it's a audio content. You can also create visual content. You can do so many different things. But at the end of the day, it's about we are all in the content business, as I like to say. And how do you want to communicate with uh, people without providing any content? So that's something I definitely encourage to do so. It's so so important and people are really happy because they notice when they have something to say if you can bring them further i always say like your content is valuable when it either provides people out there with new information so that they are always up to date it um, advances them in their professional personal career it helps them in getting better at doing something like uh, skills or competencies improvement so if you can say that your content is along these three categories you are perfectly fine your point around content is so central to my thinking right now and my my own research and, and my own role. I'm in a business development role and over time I've been through a number of fantastic tier one sales training courses and I've got a lot out of those by way of process, how you bring teams together, how you have a common language inside the team and so on and so forth. Just very recently, I'd mentioned this on an earlier podcast, but there's a book that I, I can't even remember how I found it, but the title of it is something like You Ask, They Answer, or They Ask, You Answer. And what it's about is just answering questions that people ask. And when I saw that, it was that fundamental that it almost felt like a nonsense. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. It just, it just seems so so simple. And as I read the book, I got a real connection with it. And it meets up with the point you've just made, that it is about creating the content, whether you actually write and then publish it or create it to be able to speak. It's about content, but bringing it down to a level that is, what are the questions that people are asking? Provide an answer to that. And that's been a, a guiding light for me just for the last couple of months as to how I think about producing content. And I've seen some wonderful content created that is high art and, and deep science, well beyond anything that I'm capable of. But I wonder if people have the time now to actually stop and absorb that. So we could produce right now a four-hour best-in-class production. Who has four hours? And, and how would anybody know? But if I'm able to say, 
this is the question that somebody wants to answer provide three bullet points to illustrate a knowledge and an experience. And then the audience can then make a decision whether they go to the next level. But I absolutely agree with you about the content point. It is also challenged though, as to putting yourself on display. And there is always that confidence hurdle that I'm speaking about in the first person now. And it feels like that's something that you work with people on to continually give them the confidence to keep putting their content or their best foot forward That's what I'm always wondering. Why do we people uh, always tend to make it all about ourselves? You know, it's not about me. It's about my audience. I love helping people out. If I, I want to interact with them, who cares if I, I'm afraid that people might laugh about me and so on? And sometimes I, I always say like, no one is interested in you so much that you, that, you know, that they keep waiting for you to, to write something stupid because everyone is so concerned with himself, right? And at the end of the day, why should that happen? If you are so concerned of uh, being professional and if you want to deliver quality, there shouldn't mean anything for you to fear. And the first time you start and you see that, okay, people are happy about you sharing your knowledge. So that's the best thing you can do. In fact, if you are not doing it, you're taking yourself out of responsibility because in fact, people need it. Need your solution somehow and if you're very good at something that you uh, most of the time people say like oh i'm so good but um i don't stand any chance i say if you're that good so show it to people talk to people about it and at the end of the day the people out there will decide if it's good what you're doing or not what's the worst thing that can happen that they don't consume it or they don't react but it doesn't necessarily have to do with the content you're providing. Maybe you're heading towards the wrong direction. There will be some contribution that will work out and some will not work out. So it's up to you to find out what people want to listen to. So it's, again, not about you writing about what you like. It should be somehow a combination of both, but still, at first place, what do people out there want to consume? And sometimes it's about developing that muscle as well and taking it away from a very formal structured to a point where this is how I actually go about doing it and then continue to refine, continue to refine. But at some point, you've got to start. <laughs> yes, definitely. It's a slow process. And you're, you, the more you write, the more you can improve and learn. If you only write once in a month, so it, it's pretty tough. And as I said, we are all in the content business and we are all improving. Absolutely agree. There's something I'd be very interested in your perspective on, and it's around diversity and inclusion. You work with a lot of different teams and you've worked in large organizations and with small organizations as well. Could I get your perspective and maybe some tips on things you've seen work as a way of teams coming together and groups starting to live diversity and inclusion more than having just to think about it? I'd be curious to hear what you have to say. Yes, I think that no matter what, uh, if it's a a topic about diversity, inclusion, or just like you have to undergo a change management process. The most important thing is always expectation management on the one hand side. And on the other hand side, like getting everyone involved and as a leader also to always ask questions to involve your employees. Expectation management in terms of, in particular, if you have a diverse set of people, it can be mean anything, skills, age, cultural background, and so on, is to immediately define expectation management, right? Like, what are your expectations? What do you define as a good working environment? 
because there you can already avoid some tractions beforehand. And then that's also a continuous process to always guide your employees to have a great feedback culture that if someone doesn't feel well treated, for example, that there's always an open door policy, you can discuss it and you can talk about it openly within, within the team. And then also always the simplest way, but that's what we so, so often forget just to ask questions. Is there anything you need? Anything missing? What can we do? And so on. Because we are a very, very responsive culture society and we totally forget to simply just ask questions, ask questions instead of always replying, answering and giving information out there. We should all learn to receive information because I feel that's a good way of communication because I would say all challenges, hurdles we have in the working life or in society are based on misconnected or mismatching communication. And that's the basic foundation. That's a wonderful reflection and actionable as well. So thank you. I wonder if we could close today with a question to you around mentors and coaches. You work both sides of that equation. What would be your advice to a a startup? If there was a, a founder or somebody thinking about starting their own venture right now, and they were trying to work out how do I determine what's a good, bad coach mentor, how do I go and find, what would be one or two tips you would provide? I would always say one criteria to look for in a coach and so on is, of course, is he familiar with the, the industry you're working, you're working at? And it's again also here, what do you expect from a coach or mentor? Do you um, expect him to be a sparing partner? Do you expect him to, to guide you along the way? Do you want him to be actively involved in the processes? Do you want him to give you feedback on what you're doing? Do you want, him to to foster new creativity, new ideas, and so on. And again, I have to repeat myself, but it's again, definitely expectation management. Like ask the right questions when you have the first initial, because that's what we do also at the EIT Health Accelerator. We have a so-called connection phase where you can clarify what are your targets, what are your objectives, and also to clearly communicate what will be the deliverable at the end of the day. It sounds so nitty-gritty, but it's so important at the end of the day because then you will have session after session where you only talk blah blah but at the end of the day you think like okay what was the outcome so look for someone who can clearly tell you what will be the deliverable that you will have at hand and there are some coaches mentors out there they say like okay every session you can tell me what you've been doing i will give you feedback or there's other coaches will say okay i will give you an action plan at the end of the day you can work through or i will work with you on your pitch deck or i will provide you with a marketing concept and so on so really ask your coach and mentor what in fact he's providing and tell him what you are expecting and what you want at the end of the day. And there are also some coaches, there's some little, little differences. There's some coaches who come there to the session and tell you, okay, now tell me what shall we talk about? And then the other way around, there's some startups who say, okay, Irena, I expect you to tell me what is the agenda for each session. So be clear on that at the very beginning. I think those are the two major aspects to look for someone who understands your industry because there are some industries that are more complex than others. I would say like the health tech industry, for example, or everything in the area of sustainability. Mobility is very complex because there's some totally, yes, conditions you have to consider. And then you have so many different stakeholders and no matter 
which area, if it's marketing, financial planning, market entry strategy, or if you want to scale your business, there are so many different stakeholders you have to consider. Just to mention, for example, marketing strategy, if you have many different stakeholders, means you got to have different communication strategies for each stakeholder you know, which makes it even more complex. And then you have to determine with which ones to start with, setting priorities and so on. And the next one, like, can he deliver what you're expecting? That would be the second one. Fantastic tips. And thank you for bringing such terrific insights to the conversation today. I've, I've learned from you and I appreciate that you were so genuine in the conversation. Irene, it's been great. It'd be wonderful to stay in touch. And thanks for joining me today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Irene as much as I did. Wonderful learnings and her passion absolutely came through with her messaging. If there's any feedback you want to provide, please feel free to do so. And I look forward to next week's episode with you. Thanks for joining me today. Bye for now.